Hey guys, I'm Sonny Drinkwater, co-founder of WellEasy. Welcome back to the Drinkwater Diary, where every week I give you, the ambitious thinker, actionable insights from my personal life in order to help you take action, live better, and live more truthfully. Whether you're starting a business, launching a podcast, improving your career, or just looking to try something new. In today's extract, I'm going to be speaking about the importance of self-esteem and five things we can all do to help boost our own self-esteem. Never before has there been a more important time for self-esteem. In fact, there are primary schools up and down the country that are hosting self-esteem workshops for students every single week. Our relationship with ourselves is quite literally the most important relationship we'll ever have. That's not some cheesy line from the film or some celebrity quote that I've seen on LinkedIn or Instagram. It's a genuine fact. We spend 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, for all of our lifetime, with ourselves. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Five ways we can improve our self-esteem. Our lives are dictated by the stories that we tell ourselves. We can't do something because when we tried it in the past, it hasn't worked. As humans, we all seem to rank our capability to do something based on the things we've previously done. The results we might have seen from putting effort towards something in the past. And more often than not, we remember the negative ones more so than the positive ones. We're naturally driven to protect ourselves, which means that our brains end up making us remember the negative things more than the positives. Think about it now in your head. Think of a time you've really been proud of something. Something you did that gave you a sense of accomplishment. Now think about a time you felt embarrassed or disheartened about something you did. Something might have gone wrong or you regret it. I can tell you now that there are many things that come to my mind for the latter one, but I can only recall maybe a few things you know, that I'm really truly proud of. Benefits us as humans to remember the times that we felt embarrassed about something. It teaches us a correct way to function in society and helps us understand what's good and what's bad. The downside is we often let these incidents define us. We see these embarrassing scenarios or times where we failed tell us that we are in fact the failure. We haven't just got something wrong. We've gotten it wrong because we're stupid, we're not smart or unintelligent. The the list goes on. Over time, we begin to associate more and more with ourselves into these little setbacks. Enough so that it can become damaging to our self-esteem. They end up dictating the confidence we have in our own abilities to succeed and the confidence we have in ourselves. To try something new, to stand up for something we believe in, to talk to that girl or guy that you've been, you know, you've got the biggest crush on, all seems something that's just way beyond ourselves. But the good news is, despite what many people try and tell themselves or what we commonly think, our self-esteem is something that's actually, you know, it's not fixed. It's very, very malleable. It's something that can be reshaped and remolded. It's something that we can build up at any age and increase our self-confidence and our self-worth. To do so, you have to unlearn the negative stories that we tell ourselves and build back new stories with new evidence of our capabilities and self-worth. It's not an overnight task, and it takes conscious time and thought, but the ability to change our self-esteem is very real. And just think what might happen if you felt a little more confident. So here are my five top ways that we can try to do that. So number one on my list is reading. I'm going to branch this out a bit to include sort of all forms of content today, podcasts, audiobooks, videos, just aside from conventional books. So unless you've been living under a rock for the last 10 years, I'm sure you've heard of the term self-help. In fact, most of you listening to this podcast probably have friends or other people that are close to you that are currently reading you know, a self-proclaimed self-help or self-development-esque book right now. Mark Manson's The Subtle Art, 
Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, Women Don't Owe You Pretty by Florence Given, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. I'm still trying to think of some of the top of my head. There's, there's so many out there. The category has taken off like crazy in the past few years, and rightly so. The unusual thing is, and I don't know if this is the same for you guys, but it seems like everyone is getting into these types of books at the minute. I say everyone, but I'm largely talking about the people around me that I can see. So I may well be in an echo chamber. But there's very good reason why this is the case and why that category is getting so popular. Reading is one of the best ways that we can start to piece, piece together the stories that we actually tell ourselves. It's a way for us to realise the times where our thinking is counterproductive and incorrect. Times where we told ourselves that because of some past event or outcome or sort of one of our behaviours, I'm no good at trying to do this other thing. Times where we told ourselves that because my relationship didn't work, because I'm no good, because I'm not good enough, or that you might have got something wrong at work, or your friends did something without you, none of this means that you're a bad person. And through reading, you begin to realise that every single day, there are millions and millions and millions of other people that are thinking the very same way, living the very same experiences, and criticising themselves in the very same capacity. A good example of where this happened for me was when I read Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life. I wasn't actually in the best of headspaces at the time, probably why I ended up picking up that book, um, and a friend of mine recommended it to me. Now, I'd been kind of suffering some sort of mental health battle of, of my own for some time, um, and what it had led me to do, which I didn't realise at the time, is that I was kind of constantly seeking reassurance. You know, I was kind of worrying about this pain in my head, could it be a brain tumour, or you know, maybe let's, let's call some, some girl or, or guy, let's call her Mary for now, and, and worrying if I offended that person. Or you'd say to someone else, you know, but what if I've sort of messed up on a test by not including this one thing that some other, some other person did? There's a gazillion ways and contexts that this can apply to. Um, and it's just a form of overthinking. And for me, it was kind of a, a very deep spiral. And I was seeking reassurance for a lot of things, but not realizing that I was, you know, seeking reassurance. Eventually, I did kind of see it. And what, you know, what this kind of relates to for me is that I took that as a sign that my character was someone that couldn't deal with uncertainty. You know, I was someone that was probably always going to be um, suffering with stress or suffering with sort of reassurance seeking and be that person in a group that sometimes people just roll their eyes at. And it wasn't nice. Genuinely, it was not a nice time in my life at all. Um, and very thankful that my friends kind of were patient with me and stood by me while I was like that. But what happened when I read Jordan Peterson's book was he showed me the example of himself where he'd been in the exact, exact same scenario. I think it was the chapter called something, you know, it's something on being careful with your words. I think I mentioned it in the podcast last week. But we've got to be super important about what we say and sort of when we say it. You know, try to control the things you say and only say them kind of when and if they're needed. And it really dawned on me that, you know, I didn't have to associate with this person that was constantly seeking reassurance, that was constantly worried about things. I could, in fact, you know, pull my shoulders back and be like, okay, when are the times that I need to speak? When are the times that I can hold on to this myself and try and deal with the uncertainty? That for me was probably one of the most transformative moments in my life that I realized that, you know, I didn't have to say all of the things that I was saying at that time. It gave me a sense of self-worth. It made me feel more confident in myself. And to be honest, it, it formed the backbone of me then going on to kind of notice more about my mental health and actually try and fix my own mental problems. So the second way we can improve our self-esteem, and this is a really important one, is reflection. So if I ask you the question, have you seen any of the celebrities or people that you follow on Instagram lately that are writing in a gratitude journal or just a journal, in fact, uh, meditation can also apply to this to some extent. Well, there's a reason they do this. One of the most important things we can do in our days is reflect. Reflect on the events that have happened and reflect on how we've responded to those events. Or it can be reflecting on things that we have in our lives right now. 
things that we can improve upon, or things that we have already improved upon. It's not just a trend on Instagram, it's actually something that millions and millions and millions of successful people do day in, day out. Journaling, gratitude journaling, affirmations, meditation, although this has a lot more sort of benefits to it as well, they're all part of the same principle and understanding of our own sort of flaws and characteristics. Loving ourselves for who we are and improving on ourselves daily is part of this, to be a better person today than we were yesterday. And reflection is a superpower towards this. In fact, both Josh and I look for people who can reflect on themselves and the events around them in the people that we actually bring on board the mission here at Well Easy. It's a term that I believe is perhaps one of the most important words in the English language. I would go as far as to say is it's, you know, it's one of the, the eight or nine wonders of the world that, that kind of exist out there now on top of Einstein's compound interest, but it's self-awareness. In fact, for the last week, my girlfriend and I have actually made a commitment that every day before we head out for work in the morning, we'll set aside 10 minutes to write down three things we're grateful for. Reflection is one of the clearest forms of self-awareness that we can display. It tells our brains that I know I'm not perfect, but here's what I'm working towards and here's how I'm going to be better. It's another great tool to help us unlearn the fixed narratives we held in place and show a willingness to improve, learn and succeed. In my little time so far, this, this kind of been in the startup world, I have actually never met a successful founder or individual so far who doesn't prioritize reflection and self-awareness as a superpower and has some sort of practice that they use this for. It's crucial to be able to understand our own flaws, how we can improve, how the events around us have played out and how we responded to those events, especially if you wanted to, to lead a company or you know, kind of level up in your career or manage a team. Now the third and another amazing tool that has a ton of stigma attached to it is therapy. Realistically, there should never be any stigma attached to this whatsoever, and it baffles me even to this day. You'd never bat an eyelid at someone getting a personal trainer or an online coach to support their physical health goals. So why does it seem such a big thing for our mental health too? Anyway, it's always baffled me, but I can quite confidently say I believe in the next 10 to 20 years, the vast, vast majority of us will have experienced therapy in some form. It will mainstream more than ever, and it will become more accessible than ever. That's my hope anyway, but it is a belief of mine. Therapy is a critical tool in helping us unravel these stories that we've told ourselves over the years. Therapists have quite literally spent years of their life training to do this exact job alongside us. The more cynical amongst us, and this was me, I was like this at one time, might be thinking, you know, I just don't know how, see, how having a conversation with someone is going to help the way that I'm thinking. A conversation with a therapist is potentially the most actionable and productive conversation you'll actually ever have. They pinpoint the errors in your thinking, they can see our cognitive bias, and the best part, they care about us enough to listen better than anyone has ever listened to you before. They directly challenge you on the way that you talk to yourself and help you learn better ways of doing so. During university was the first time I'd ever seen a therapist. In fact, if it wasn't so expensive today, I'd probably be going weekly or sort of bi-weekly at this moment in time. Um, just again, just to monitor my mental health, but right now I can't actually afford to, uh, which is a shame. But I was with this therapist for, a, for a, a couple of months. In those sessions, he helped me to notice patterns in my thinking that were actually causing me to feel stressed. Times when I was obsessed with an answer to things that are unanswerable. And I'll break this down in another podcast episode for anyone that's actually interested to hear more about my experience. But one of the biggest lessons he gave to me was the ability to put any of the thoughts I was having on a sort of court trial. Imagine a sort of court-like situation where you've got a jury and two lawyers presenting their cases to that jury. And it would play out like this. I'd be thinking, you know, but what if this pain in my head actually was a brain tumor? And what I'd have to do is I'd take a moment and I think, okay, 
what is the arguments for and against this? What is the evidence I'm going to put forward? And I'd draw a little chart on a piece of paper with arguments for and against, and I'd list out the arguments for each one. Now, the benefit of doing this was that over time, again, similar to, as I mentioned before, in the example of reading, I began to notice the errors in my thinking and it gave me enough time to kind of reassess the actual thought I was having in the first place, take away sort of the anxiety I was feeling with it and come to a rationalized judgment over, you know, was it a genuine thing to be worried about or was it not? And again, all of these tools, they helped me to detach from that person that I thought I was becoming, you know, that person that was anxious about a lot of things, that person that did actually have a mental health struggle when, you know, guys around you just didn't speak about that sort of thing. Um, and someone that I, I've always been interested in leadership and wanting to kind of lead a team and build a company. But at that moment in time in my life, I, you know, I didn't feel confident doing so. Um, I was worried about that, that affecting me and it probably led into all of that. So having these tools at my disposal allowed me to detach from all of these things that I was associated with myself, that I was weak minded. Um, I wouldn't be able to manage a team. I wouldn't be able to, to lead a company um, or go on and start a company more so than me. We've got a hell of a long way to go yet. Um, but it was a big thing for me and really transformative. Now, coming more towards the flip side of how can we kind of build back positive stories. The fourth and sort of final way we can really improve our self-esteem to me is getting uncomfortable. Push yourself beyond your comfort zone is the best way to form new stories. You're going into unexplored territory, trying things that you may have otherwise beforehand told yourself you couldn't do, taking a risk on something just to see where it gets you. Pushing our own boundaries is pretty much the best way, the best way we can begin to learn new things about ourselves. Deciding that you're going to try CrossFit or, you know, everyone's talking about it or signing up for a language class at this moment in time um, or even taking that leap in your career that this path may well be the thing that takes you to where you want to be. Everything in life has uncertainty and nothing is easy. Well, actually, it's probably incorrect. Nothing worthwhile comes easy. Our ability and commitment to strive for something is not only fundamental to a happy and fulfilled life, it's crucial to our self-worth and our confidence. When we overcome a challenge or we succeed at something we initially thought we couldn't, you're sending all these little messages to your brain that's thinking sort of, hold on, what the hell just happened here? You know, you're, you're, you're learning something completely new to, to sort of what's going on. And this applies to all aspects of life. You know, whether it's asking someone out for a drink or something that you kind of want to overcome, it's not it's not a comfortable situation at all, right? You know, oh my God, if I've, when I've been in that situation in the past, I'm bright red the whole time. Um, it's not comfortable, but... The doing and the striving, you know, you become more comfortable with it and it starts to change how you view yourself as a person and what you actually associate with. Um, and for me, the biggest example I can give of this is, is coming out of university and starting a business. Um, I, I was, you know, my parents were quite encouraging of me going to get a job and were a little bit, they're very supportive now, but they were more concerned at the time, um, which is completely rightly so. And it was a big risk and it was a big jump for me, but the, co the confidence that is given me to actually go and start a business when before, you know, I was that person, I, I worked in two startups while I was at university and I sat there in admiration of these founders. How the hell has someone raised money for a startup? But to me, it just blew my mind. Um, you know, how are they having a team of six people that they were kind of managing day in, day out? And these, these are young young people as well. Um, and it just blew my mind. I never thought I could do it. But having one, having Josh that was there as a similar mindset at the time to kind of really, to kind of back each other to do it, um, it, it literally has quite transformed how I, I feel and think about myself to the point that, you know, I know well enough now that 
I've got a ton of learning to do. I know absolutely nothing right now. But like, I'm excited to learn because I have an inner confidence and belief that, like, I do feel confident that if I if I went for another job or if I went to, to a different startup, you know, I know the capacity that I can work at and I know how, how I can learn and sort of how I feel in myself about that. Um, and that came from, from you know, really kind of jumping in and, and doing the thing that I was a little bit skeptical of doing. Uh, but that's just that's just my scenario. So sort of building on the final point, but kind of wanted to finish on, on this kind of overarching point with all of this is that we need to look for the evidence. The fifth and final thing we can do to improve our self-esteem is understand that our brains need evidence in order to believe something different about ourselves. They need solid proof that we can actually do this thing that we're saying we're going to do. And this kind of builds you know, on from what I mentioned before, but there's kind of these neurofeedbacks that come from when you overcome obstacles and challenges that your brain starts to think like, Jesus Christ, I never knew I could do that. Or, you know, just believe something different. It tells itself a different narrative, but it comes in evidence. In fact, I'm still a believer today that those people around us that have, you know, self-esteem from an early age, um, which comes comes naturally to some people, they were fortunate enough that, to have these evidential sort of experiences early on in their life. A test in school, winning a sports competition, getting into university, these are all sort of micro bonuses and micro accomplishments that really help to kind of feed our self-esteem, feed our self-worth and give us that sort of level of credibility. Now, without getting drawn into too much of a rant on this final point, I actually have a big personal issue with, with our current school system the way it is, precisely for this reason. I think, you know, I hope in saying this, it might help articulate the point that I'm trying to make. So we've got an education system that takes a child that gets maybe an A in art and a D in maths and says, well, we need to invest our time in making that kid better at math. Now, there's a very, very high likelihood that that child is actually never going to go on to do anything in mathematics. Not to put anyone down or discourage anyone, but that is the reality for a lot of people that don't naturally, you know, they're not naturally inclined towards maths. In fact, they might even struggle to go on and get a B grade. And they might even then miss out on getting an A star in art, which would have been good enough project or something to take them to a top art school. And it's a sad reality because to me, you know, it's, it's a hard balance between making people sort of generally good at most things across the board or really focusing in on those sort of, as I said, those micro successes and achievements that build self-esteem and also help someone to kind of really explore their passion or natural inclination towards a subject, uh, a different practice or something they're just passionate about. Having evidence for our achievements is not only the most important thing in our lives, but also throughout our lives, we need to constantly improve on this evidence and this self-esteem. You need to be aware that seeking new evidence comes from trying new things. When you succeed at those new things, and you will, you know, as hard as that sounds, that you will, you will succeed at things, the way you talk to yourself will actually begin to change. So when we combine seeing new evidence with all of the other things that I've, I've kind of mentioned in this podcast, you know, reflecting, could be reading, it could be any other practice, but these are just sort of the five I've mentioned. When we combine them all, you become more aware of sort of your character, your flaws, or the stories that you've told yourself. You know, everyone is everyone is flawed to some extent. Like, my God, the amount of flaws that, that I have in my character is unbelievable. Um, but it's a process of learning, looking for the evidence, improving on yourself, ignoring the sort of self-help, self-development, self-guru sort of stigma that's out there and you know everyone's kind of proclaiming that these days but it is it but it's a real thing and that that's why people are saying it you know and it's being aware that finding new evidence trying new things reflecting on yourself reflecting on the things that have gone on that day how you've responded how you are as a person you start to unravel these stories and build back positive ones in the process and that's where our self-esteem is boosted the most
So thank you so, so much for listening again to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show or want to give any feedback at all, it's so helpful for me to kind of know what to put out and what's actually of value. Um, if you did enjoy the show, please do follow on social. Follow me at Sonny Drinkwater on Instagram. But also follow this uh, the podcast show as well. Make sure that you kind of subscribe to, to updates when the, when the episodes go live. Um, and thank you again for listening and taking interest in sort of what I'm doing and what I'm building here. Um, believe me, I am still working daily on my own self-esteem. Um, it's a practice that, that kind of doesn't ever end, but obviously it's improving the whole time. Um, but it's the striving and the willingness to improve that is kind of important to our lives. Have an amazing week um, and feel free to get in touch with any sort of questions or feedback on this episode.